In this episode of A Little Birdie Told Me, we speak with Lisa Brady, a journalist who's covered almost every aspect of mum life, including her own. We talk mum shaming, maternal health, and the pressure mothers feel to be on top of it all, whether or not you are in the public eye. So Lisa, as a journalist, you have covered many issues relating to uh, your own experience being a mother and also issues relating to, you know, mothers in general. And um, yeah, you are pretty open with the details. I am. <laughs> well, you know, I just think what's the point? And I, I think transparency is the way forward yeah. when it comes to motherhood yeah. in particular, because it's so, um, you know, everyone has opinions mm-hmm. and their own way of doing things and I think it's really important that we talk about those and share without judgment. Is your child restless this winter? If so, then try using a soothing Calpol vapour plug and nightlight, an electrical plug-in device that emits lavender and chamomile vapours to soothe and comfort babies and children, helping to promote clear and easy breathing for up to eight hours. The Calpol Night Vapor Plug and Nightlight is suitable for children from three months. Calpol Vapor Plug and Nightlight is an electrical device and non-medicine. Always read the label. But that's the thing, Lisa. When you are in the public eye or in the media, if you are putting yourself out there so openly, mm. it tends to sometimes attract some negativity. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, You know, and I think um, there's been... A spate of that mm-hmm. from, um, you know, I, I remember speaking to Lottie Ryan. Yeah. Um, and she was speaking about, you know, the mum shaming that went on regarding uh, like her her son. Um, I think was it the, the naming of her son? She or? gets a lot of flack about the naming of her son. It's yeah. really bad because it's like, shut up. That's, it, you that's, know, that's his name. And, that's his you name. know, they obviously love it. So, you know. We, Absolutely. We, we often cover Lottie on rollercoaster.ie because she's really popular with our readers. Yes. And she's lovely. Um, so nice. But every time we put something on, there's mm. all of these, this criticism about the name. The name. But I remember uh, your article. Yes. That we also published on site. Um, That's right. About the trolling she was getting that yeah. made her decide not to like openly talk about her parenting decisions as much. Yeah. So what this one was um, her decision to go back to work after mm. four months. Okay. People were awful, like yeah. trolling left, right and centre. Yes. Giving their unsolicited uh, advice. advice. Oh, and people love to do that. Yeah. You know, that's uh, it, it, it's unbelievable. And it's, it's you know, wait a second. This is... Um, a new mother mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, and she was very open because I remember speaking to her about it. And she was like, look, I have bills to pay. I have mortgage to, uh, you know, to pay. Yeah. I'm going to go back to work. Um, at, I chose to go back to work after four months. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason why. And how many times have we had this discussion mm. that you should, you know, kind of, I suppose, what's forfeit a career mm-hmm. um, or prospects while raising a child you can do both it's very difficult Mm -hmm. you know obviously the juggle is real but we do it um and you know she was like like a lot of moms you know she didn't have the um 
you know, uh, like a, a maternity benefit or whatever it, you know. Yeah, because she's a freelancer. Because she's a freelancer. And people just didn't yeah. get that. I think they see, you know, they see a name, yeah. like somebody, you know, who is well known, um, a celebrity, so to speak. And, you know, they think, oh, you know, like, why is she going back to work so early? Mm-hmm. Sure, what, you know, why would she need to do that? And it's like, well, actually... You know, this is a decision that she made that she obviously took a lot of time to, um, you know, what's going to benefit me, my child and our family um, and our future, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, and I think it is just outrageous that people decide to weigh in on something as sensitive as that. Um, You know, but we have we have all these opinions. And like I remember even from the way you know, uh, we feed our children, obviously the breastfeeding is right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have to go into that <laughs> ad nauseum, but, you know, it is out there like, you know, it's, and, and I think at the end of the day, um, it's how you decide to feed your child, what you decide to do that's best for you yeah. and your baby, because we seem to forget about that sometimes. That it's also about a mother here, a human being yep. who is doing her very best and any decision a mother makes is always going to be with her baby, mm-hmm. um, you know, in mind first. Yeah. Um, but like, I remember the uproar from, um, was it Emily? I can never say Emily's name. Right? Can you say it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Which Another Emily? Supermodel. Oh, Ratatowski. Thank you. Ratatowski. I wasn't even going to try it, but you got it. Um, and from and Meghan Markle as well. I yeah. remember the, uh, the uproar about how they were, holding their children yeah. do you remember that i was gonna say yeah babies? um poor megan was papped when she was trying to live a private life when yeah. they first went to canada and there are these you know paps in the bushes who snapped her yeah with um archie in a carrier yes and he was just whatever way they the, the picture showed yeah people jumped on jumped on and said that she was doing it wrong um, saying she was putting him at risk and all of this stuff. It's crazy. And, you know, now we know that she did see those comments and yeah. that she um, was affected by them, as in like every comment that was made about her um, back then. And like that is going to, e- even though it's kind of minor in the long scheme of things, it's going to have an effect on you as well to be like, people are out there looking at me and saying and j- yeah. I'm not mothering right. And it like, is so, and you are so sensitive as a new mum. And also, I think as a human being, you're always going to remember, you know, and this has been proven, um, you know, scientifically or philosophy, you know, whatever way you want to put it. Mm. But like if you've got, you know, say, I don't know, nine good comments, mm-hmm. you're always going to remember the one bad one. Always. And that's just the way it is. That's yeah. human nature. You know. Remember even on your report cards from school. Yeah. And you'd get like a few nice ones and normal ones from the teacher. And then yeah. something about you like not paying attention or. That's you know, what's going to stick with you. Yeah, always. You know, it's um, I think I was I'm, and I'm very into too. my um, affirmations at, at the moment, uh, Miriam. So I'm like, <laughs> I think, you know. If you want to, you know, I suppose, attract positivity or be in that positive mindset, it takes something like it actually takes work. Like you have to, you know, do something like five times, try and think of five positive thoughts for every negative thought to negate the effect of the negative thought. And I think the same can be said for, you know, um, the public, you know, comments, trolling um, social media. Like I'm surprised, actually. I'm actually surprised that you know uh, so many celebrity mums 
go on social media at times because it is such a tough, uh, you know, world and space. Um, and I know that like I'm thinking back to when I was and my kids are, um, my girls are six and eight. And I think if I saw a comment about how I was holding, you know, Lana Rose, who's my first daughter, or or Layla, um, I think I would, it would reduce me to tears. And I know that, you know, and that's not just because you're so unsure and you're so, you're just, you're, every day is new yeah. and every you're going through the firsts and you're going through the, you know, this le- huge learning curve of bringing another human being into the world. And um, and I think it is, it's appalling. Mm-hmm. You're, so vulner- vul- vulnerable. you're so vulnerable. Yeah, um, you are. No matter what, yeah. even if you are, quote unquote, coping well, um, it's new, especially with your first one, it's new. And even with the second baby, things are different. It's a different story. They they could be not reacting the way your first did to whatever you did. And you're yeah. not expecting that. Yeah. It's just very um, emotional time. And completely. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're genuine. Generally, you're possibly not functioning at your, you know, like everything is going to your baby mm-hmm. from sleep to if you're breastfeeding or whatever, you know, all these decisions mm-hmm. um, that are, you know, and you're just, you're worried about everything. Yeah. You're anxious about everything and you're self-conscious about everything. And, and any the last thing you need And any little tone that people, yeah, any yeah. little tone that somebody says, you take it up whatever yeah. way. As yeah. in, uh, just say, even later on, so if someone says, oh, you're still breastfeeding. Or, yes. They're still not sleeping through the night. It's just like, yeah. Uh, oh, don't talk to me. I had um, well, both my girls in with me last night. <laughs> One of them was apparently hallucinating, which I, uh, yeah, now she's the six-year-old, that's Layla, which uh, I don't think she was hallucinating. I'm not quite sure what she was doing. However, she wasn't sleeping. And then Lana Rose, who was, uh, who comes into my bedroom and then I'm trying to take my makeup off in the in the bathroom. And she comes in and is quite cross about it. And she's like, um, mom, you know, are you nearly done? And I'm like, you're after coming into my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. It's this after your it's midnight, you know, go back to your own. <laughs> Obviously, I wouldn't say that to her, but you just kind of get used to like, you know, signing up as a parent. Chances are sleep is going to be something that you might get in a couple of decades time. Proper sleep, unbroken sleep, you know. Well, thanks for um, warning me that it's still going on when they're six and eight. I know. No, it does. You do get, you know, nights where they're fine. Yeah. But sometimes and also we were away last week. So I think there's always that hangover from, you know, yeah. that, the breaking routine. Yeah, yeah. You're always going to get that little knockback effect. So it's great. Crap. 100%. Yeah. But you obviously have a um, brilliant relationship with your two little girls. I do. I do. You know, like it's... Um, it's a, like, as I said, every day is different. And I think as, as well, when they get a little older, like I can see Lana Rose now, she's eight. Mm-hmm. And I can see how she's, um, you know, like she's on the periphery of, of like, maybe not preteen, maybe she's, that's a little, little, uh, well, you know, she actually early, could be. We, yeah. um, apparently kids are just kind of maturing that little bit more yeah. sooner than, not even... Than our generation, but yeah. in that we 
we never realized that it's always happened. That it's thing. always happened. Yeah. It's funny because like I can just see like she trans transitions from this little girl, sweet little girl, you know, who wants her mama to uh, no, no. <laughs> and everything's like, you know, a challenge and, mm-hmm. you know, a sort of but that's kind of fluctuates. Yeah. Um, whereas Layla is still, you know, she uh, she loves her um she loves her her dollies and Aww. she wants, you know, she wants to be a princess and all this kind of thing. And a singer when she grows up, Lana Rose is quite like she refuses to wear dresses, <laughs> anything too girly, you know, and she's quite. But I think that's just her asserting her independence, yeah. you know, showing I'm becoming my own little person here. Now, that has to be managed, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's also good. You know, you want to see their personalities bloom. Absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see now we're com- communion coming up. Yeah. next year so I'm wondering oh. is she gonna now she did say she would wear a dress for communion so that's kind of you know but look this is another conversation we could have like mm. you know what's the what's the attire I'm kind of thinking why you know Converse might be cool with a that little, is cool you know so it's kind of not too girly mm-hmm. um, yeah there are compromises you can make there are compromises you can make yeah. but I just think every you know as I said every every year brings different challenges, mm-hmm. different, um, you know, lessons. Yeah. Um, and, and do you uh, find yeah. yourself having, t- like, being prepared or can you prepare or is it always a bit of a shock or do you still feel that some way, some sort of judgment in some, judgment, judgment coming from some yeah. corners or? Well, you know, it's funny um, because mom guilt is something that has probably, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I I just feel like it rears its ugly head every now and again. And from the from the get go, um, you know, I suppose I had a um, difficult uh, pregnancy um, from a from a stress point of view mm-hmm. with Lana Rose. Um, Your as in, first. I was in my first, yeah, yeah. So that was I remember I was in a job that I really really could not stand, mm. and I wasn't getting a lot of support. It was a new job. Um, in that in that sphere, and it was very very challenging. And uh, I realized very quickly into the role that I it wasn't the role for me. But I also found out I was pregnant at that time. <laughs> it was like, oh my goodness! So I I cried every day. I remember it was really really um really difficult dark uh period of my life. And when sh- it should have been. I'm not going to say that you enjoy a pregnancy, or certainly not the first trimester for me anyway mm-hmm. with morning sickness. But, you know, um, it's a nice, it's a time where you're growing a human being. It's like so, so special. Um, it's only reflecting on it. I think, you know, as time goes on, you realize, wow, did I do that? Did we, you know, did I go through that? It's nearly, it's a, such a distant memory. And then it, but and, and still so mind blowing, you know. But um, but then I did, unfortunately, uh, when Lana Rose was born, I did um, experience very uh, severe um, postnatal depression or anxiety, you know, so postnatal depression, anxiety, whatever way you want to call it, you know, um, I suppose with me, how it was presenting was kind of ruminating thoughts and very basically I became afraid of my own mind. Um, and then it kind of it happened about two weeks after um, she was born and you know initially people were like oh it's baby blues and you know it's okay because I was kind of crying because I was so afraid of you know of of just of everything essentially Um, and uh, yeah I 
realised that this wasn't normal. I couldn't eat or sleep. I was trying to mind look after a new baby. So I actually did um, get an appointment. Um, I was staying in um, or I was under the care of um, an obstetrician in Hollis Street. So I managed to get a an appointment with Anthony McCarthy, who is um, a perinatal psychiatrist. Um, and he's amazing. He really is amazing. And it's like when we think of the word psychiatrist, it's like, oh, God, you know, am I crazy? I'm okay. And again, here we go. The judgment, you yeah. know, the uh, judging the yourself fear. and, be- Ju- yeah, oh, and, and I was yourself. like, literally, I could not have been any judgier yeah. <laughs> for want of a better word. I was I was absolutely convinced that I didn't deserve to be a mother, that I was, um, you know, I didn't want my baby. I was afraid um, I was afraid to handle her. Um, and I was so, so exhausted and just wanted, I just wanted it to stop. I just wanted the horror to end. Yeah, it was really, really dark. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that you chose to seek treatment, I mean, did you do that yourself or was it? Well, I did, because I'll be honest, I've, um, I've experienced um, anxiety and depression in the past. So I could see this kind of cycle of, you know, um, dark ruminating thoughts where you don't really, you're just caught in this like pattern of fear and you don't really um, see any light nearly, you know, it's like everything becomes um, a little bit dark and scary. And I could see that that was happening. So um, yeah, I was on, I suppose, red alert, but I think what didn't help was my stress throughout pregnancy that was really and I do think that contributed a lot to what happened afterwards you know um because really when you think about it you've got this like you know and and you have the hormonal activity um on top of that so you've got this you know build up this accumulation of of worry and fear and you know what ifs and um you know and and I suppose sadness I felt trapped that I was in a role that I I couldn't get out of. Um, I was pregnant and I was deeply unhappy. Um, and then after that, I suppose it just kind of came to a head mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, um, this is this resulting depression, you know, or postnatal anxiety, whatever way you want to call it, is obviously my um, mind and body's way of saying like look you know I couldn't I couldn't something had to give I couldn't continue in that way because because I think when you're so when you're you know you're thinking in such a way and you're um you know you're stuck in that fearful loop that that doesn't just stop because you've had a baby you know that actually got worse um and we've actually spoke about it off air before that you know women's bodies and minds and you know all the hormones there's still such a medical mystery and it's ridiculous like all of the things that we have to go through and you know even now menopause has just been in the focus recently just Mm -hmm. because there's been more research there's been more effort put into it Mm -hmm. but there's still so much more that we don't know because it's under-researched and it's it can be detrimental especially after not especially, but including after um, a woman has a baby and there is so much going on. And yes. as you said, like the the stuff that's already happening yeah. that just 
obviously doesn't change once the baby is born. No. There's new things happening. Your hormones are changing again. Yes, yes. Um, there's new issues to worry about. And uh, and then your postnatal anxiety or depression is obviously nothing to be ashamed of. It is something that happens. Yeah, so and it's very people. and is so common. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's it. And you know, the way mine was presenting, it was kind of like these um it was nearly like a bit of an O C D. Now I wasn't doing uh, there wasn't that compulsive behaviour to stop um, you know, to stop the thoughts or whatever like yeah. that. But it was it was um, you know, Anthony McCarthy at the time said, you know, a, quite a, a high number of women get this particular thought pattern mm-hmm. um and certainly have that you know anxiety and uh you know I don't think he even liked to call it you know uh postnatal anxiety it was just like this is anxiety this mm-hmm. is depression this is you know um, and you have a new baby and you have and you have a new <laughs> baby because I think when it's lumped together like that and we still like it takes generations to get over um, you know the, the the belief that oh it's just the baby blues oh it's just mm. you know um, oh you know oh, you've just had a new baby um, it's tiredness it's fatigue it's hormones but it's like wait a second listen to me I'm not well I can't function you know um, something is is gravely wrong um, and I think feeding into what we we started the discussion with the mum guilt and the blame and the judgment all of this leads into this toxic environment where, and I'm not saying it's, it's you know, it's, it's overtly toxic, but these little nuances that make it, it's it's almost unsafe or you, that you're not a good mother or you're not strong enough or you're not, if you can't physically or mentally deal with some of these issues. And sometimes you just can't. And I actually, um, after my first uh, you know, postnatal um, experience. I had another yeah. with Layla. But it was a bit different. It was different. It was different. It was. <laughs> so uh, whereas I would say the first one uh, manifested in, a, I suppose, a, fit, a, a mental and emotional, um, you know, uh, issue. With Layla, I actually had a physical um, issue, which a very very serious one which was not picked up on and I struggled myself to even believe that it was happening so um so when Layla was three weeks old I just remember being in our kitchen and I was fixing some lunch or whatever and I hadn't been feeling well my heart had been racing very fast. I was feeling out of breath. Um, I was fatigued. I felt like even when I moved my arm or, you know, even walked, a, a, you know, a couple of steps, my heart would really race. And I mentioned this to a couple of people. And again, you have the usual hormones, yeah. fatigue, you know, new well, baby. Of course, you're not feeling yourself. Of you course just you're have not. a what tiny baby and, and a toddler makes, at that stage. And a toddler. And it makes sense, you yeah. know, and you believe it. And yeah. it's like, yeah. Yeah, of course, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just had this, my heart started to race really, really quickly. And I just had this thought of doom that I was going to die. And it was as, it was like, just this like, 
not a voice. I didn't hear a voice or anything like that, but I just felt it. Yeah. It's like a gut feeling. Instinct. Instinct. And I remember saying to my um to my husband at the time, I said, Look, um, I think I might need an ambulance and God help him. He's like, No, you're just having a panic attack. And in fairness, I kind of thought I was too. Yeah. And you know, and I have had panic attacks where I feel like, God, is my breathing is well, my panic attacks can be serious too. Yes. And this is the problem um with what I'm you know, the what was actually wrong. It was a cardiac issue. But uh and it's very similar feeling to anxiety. So anyway, I ended up going to my doctor and they um they did an ECG and said, Look, your resting heart rate is 120 beats per minute. You have to go to hospital. Now initially they thought it was a blood clot in the lung. I was tested for that. Spent the night in Vincent's on a trolley, new baby. I was breastfeeding as well. And did the baby come with you? No, I had pumped oh, milk, okay. so um that was okay. But, but that's still very but hard still, it in was that so stage. And I was so uncomfortable because I'd had a C-section as well. Oh, so I was no. healing from that. <gasps> and um, anyway, then I had to, the, the lungs came back clear. I had to discharge myself because I couldn't stay in there another minute. Thankfully for health insurance, I managed to get a private echo, um, a heart um, cardio echo on um, the Friday. So this was on Wednesday night. And um, and it was confirmed that um, I actually had heart failure. Heart a, failure. Heart failure. <laughs> yes. A very, very rare form of heart failure called um, PPCM, which is postpartum or peripartum cardiomyopathy. So very dramatic. Um, now, you think of heart failure and you think heart attack. Yeah. Yes, you can absolutely have a heart attack with heart failure. And I did have symptoms, uh, like grave symptoms. I had feeling a couple of nights of drowning when I lay down, which became better when I raised myself up with pillows. Um, and also then the fast, fast heart rate, the the breathing, um, the feeling out of breath. Um, and um, That is terrifying. Yeah, my heart function had gone to 25%. Oh my God. Um, very grave illness. Um, basically, it's a disease of thirds. A third get better, a third stay the same, and a third uh, of the condition worsens. Mm. And the only, if that happens, the condition worsens, like you're talking heart transplants, yeah. you know, some people, one in 10 women die. Oh um, my God. So it was very. So this is a rare condition. Very rare, sorry. We, and, the, I'm, and I yeah. should, and I should outline very, very rare. And it does, and, but it, it's something that happens to women after yeah so it's basically it, it, it presents itself kind of either the last month of pregnancy or the um three months postpartum mm-hmm. that's when it would become apparent um and I suppose you know I had a brilliant cardiologist in uh, Blackrock Deirdre Waterhouse amazing woman mm-hmm. a mother herself of four mm-hmm. um and uh, she really minded me um, you can do amazing things with uh, with with drugs uh, when it comes to mending and healing the heart. So it was kind of like a trial and error period. Um, I had to basically go on beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, diuretics, trying to see to remodel the heart because essentially remodel. Yeah, because my heart 
every pregnant woman's heart will expand yes. to allow for the extra blood flow. And that's yeah. why sometimes pregnant women will feel well out of breath obviously because your you know your lungs are essentially You're being squished. squashed by this <laughs> other human being. Yeah. But also um the uh you know the the blood blood flow is pumping. Um what what happens with um cardiomyopathy is that the heart when the when you have your baby the heart doesn't go back to normal so it stays big and floppy essentially so the blood isn't being pumped around effectively around the body and that's why you get all these symptoms like fluid you know free free flow fluid um could have high blood pressure swollen ankles all that kind of thing so um and of course all of these things they all sound very hormonal they all sound like you know and, and as well just like, that thing that happens because you're that pregnant thing that or you've had a baby yeah. yeah and if you've got a, a fast heart rate you feel like out of breath maybe you're having a panic attack so that, that's why and even you know and I have fully recovered thankfully yes. and uh, how long did it take to to feel back to normal to I mean to get the all clear I suppose well to get the all clear took really the guts of a year to show that I was really into the recovery phase and then the all clear was probably three years later. Um, I'm still under the care of a cardiologist purely because they discovered and they didn't know whether this was connected or not and they still, it's one of those grey areas, but I had a kind of mitral valve um, leak. So that's still something that's just being monitored, but it's not... Um, it may or may not cause issues in the future, okay. but at the moment there's no issue. But being monitored is obviously, you know, keeping your peace of ah, mind. Yeah, and, and like that. I'm on, I'm not on any medication, you know, so it's all, it's, it's all, and, and, and to be honest, I kind of, I suppose, I really got into my fitness and health after that because, you know, it is something that when you're faced with, I suppose, your own mortality, especially when you've got children, young children, um, you do want to live the best life. And the healthiest life for them, yeah. you know. Um, so I did like, a, I underwent a cardiac rehab program. And then um, when I was given the go ahead, I went back to the gym, started doing strength training. And I really contribute that to, you know, my health today. Because I do feel like I've no symptoms. I've no, you know, like I have recovered. Yeah. And I have been given that, you know, recovery, you know, status. But, mm. you know, it's still... It's a memory that that I find hard to, you know. It's never gonna shift. you're never gonna be fully able to erase it because it's something that happened. And yeah. when you're going through that mm. at the same time as having your second daughter, mm. who and you know, if so much happens in the baby's development in that yeah. first year of life, yeah, yeah, that you are so intrinsically connected with. Yes. Because you're together most mm. of the time. And then you're recovering from this. And then, I mean, I, w I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe you were thinking about your mental health as well, because oh, what yeah. happened with your Well, I'll be daughter. honest, I actually remained on a very low dose of antidepressant through my second pregnancy. And some people, and of course, then I felt guilt about that because, uh, you know, it's like, oh, am I doing the best for my child here? Will she have any side effects? And it's a controversial subject. People have very strong opinions on the matter um I made the decision for my safety um and for the health of my baby mm -hmm. to stay on a maintenance level 
antidepressant and it's something that if you are under the care of a um a doctor or a psychiatrist or whatever it may be they will advise um and it's something that you obviously work with your um uh sorry your obstetrician or yeah. whoever is yeah. looking after your yeah. you know your midwife with um because i think you have to weigh it all up and make these decisions and they're hard decisions they're really hard decisions. Um, I really battled with that. Same with um, after Lana Rose. Uh, I, I felt the struggle I was under mentally. I felt I couldn't, um, I couldn't breastfeed. And I didn't, wasn't that I couldn't do it. I just, I couldn't do it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, like she was latching on. There wasn't, she got like the colostrum, the first, you know. And then I had to just, I wasn't in that space mm-hmm. to, I felt like I'd given so much, had a traumatic labor, um, followed, which ended in a, in a kind of emergency C-section. Um, and I just felt that that was enough, but it took a long time to get to that. And I was, I remember taking out the little optimal bottles in a cafe or whatever, and actually feeling a little bit ashamed. But that's but it. Then if I, of, but then I, if I yeah. had like whipped out my boob, and given her, I would have felt ashamed too. Yeah. So what do you do? You, you know, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. There's yeah. always going to be, again, it's this like people have these opinions and judgments, and they have no idea what's yeah. going on in the background. Yeah, and that is the biggest problem. Mm. People feel so free to judge and shame, especially if they're seeing something online. Well, I th- and I think that's what it is. And you've hit the nail on the head there, Miriam. It's because, and certainly when it comes to like somebody who's high profile, it's yeah. like they feel like it's, it's you know, pub- their public property. Yeah. They put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Of course I can comment if I want, you know, and let's c- start the pile on. Um, and what, you know, and there's very much like one person says one thing and maybe influences another. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, wait a second, these are women, yeah. these are these are mothers, um, these are babies, you know, and, and no mother wants to hear that. No mother wants, every mother wants to feel like they are, and every mother or most mothers, you know, um, do the very best for their child. That's what, of course. that's all you want to well, do. Your experience that you just talked about, about being on the low dose um, yeah. antidepressants, yeah. they remind me of... Um, Kelly Osborne, who's just had a baby, oh, yeah. well, she did last year, I think. Yeah, um, still new, but she spoke before she even had the baby that she wasn't going to breastfeed because she was going to remain on the me- medication. And she explained she didn't need to, but she explained that she was doing it for herself and her baby. Mm-hmm. That this was the best thing. It was, she said, it was a hard decision because obviously people talk about the benefits of breastfeeding all the time but she said I think that me staying on this medication will benefit us better than me breastfeeding and the vitriol she got but this is the thing like she was even like the fact that she even spoke out about it was actually very brave so brave because I think it gives a voice to many other women who are in a similar position and very vulnerable and tearing themselves up about a decision Mm -hmm. like that um and she's given voice to that and said, look, I'm doing it. I'm talking out about it. You're not alone. It's OK. You are making the very best and hardest decision that you've possibly had to make in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing that for you and your baby. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, 
this is one thing that we seem to, you know, that we don't forget. And I think we're getting a little better at it if we could just be a bit nicer to each other, <laughs> I suppose. And and I think, I think, I think most people, you know, most mothers understand the struggle, yeah. you know, um, new mothers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you kind of feel when you're a new mom that you want to be, you nearly need to be minded too, you know, because you, you're because minding. Because you do need to be minded. Yeah. We talked about this before in the podcast, the fourth trimester. And yes. um, there's a new, uh, not new data, I think there's always been known, but people are just like shushing it because we need to get back to work, whatever. Yeah. But the recovery of the baby doesn't take the three months of the post or having a baby, you know, getting yeah. back to normal. You you don't get back to normal as if you're no, you're normal, yeah, um, physically or mentally until yeah. a year. Oh God, at least, at <laughs> least. Like I was, it, it was funny because I was trying. I was still, you know, you know the way your hair. You get like you have all this like beautiful mane of hair, oh, and then when you yeah. start when you um give birth, and even like actually after having um my babies are both C sections, um, and you know I was a little bit like I felt blame or not blame but I felt shame about that too it was like did I give birth did I have children was because I didn't yeah I well, natural. People say that. and it's like <laughs> what's, could I be any more natural yeah. after like bringing a human being into the world but still I felt that because I didn't um you know have a um a vaginal delivery that I'm you know essentially there's something wrong or something artificial or something you know yeah as you say that very word natural organic you know it's like and and again with the breastfeeding because I didn't do the long stint of breastfeeding it's like oh do I do I really even I do remember actually and it's funny how you know you kind of it does cross my mind that I did have moments fleeting moments of do I even like you know am I am I am I mother at all and like, you know, in that yeah, context. Yeah. And isn't it awful that we kind it's of awful. feel like that? Because yeah. it's just like that blueprint mm-hmm. and has to change. Yeah. Um, you and know, this, this, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're not doing it the way we are saying you need to do it because mm. it's the natural way, you're not doing it right. Um, you're not going to bond properly. You're not going bond. to have. Yeah. <gasps> like, you know, and it's, it's, it's all these like, <laughs> it's before awful. you've even met your baby, you're feeling this huge pressure. Yeah. You know, um, and it, it's it isn't right. It's not something that's I think, you know, the problem now is that we have too much advice. Yeah. You know, I remember somebody giving me the Gina Ford book um, before uh, Lana Rose was born and it came with a caveat. It was like, do not open this book until the child is born because it will terrify you. Oh, God. And, you know, I did. And I was just looking and it just felt so, uh, you know, regimental and, you know, strict. And, you know, it actually made me, it put the fear of God in me before I even, you know, like all these like time-tailed writing. I'll be honest, I'm a bit of a, um, you know, an ad-lib girl, you know. (laughs) And, And I always aim to be that mother that brings, you know, like wipes and tissues and always has a hat handy and snacks and, you know, but it's, you know, inevitably, I'm probably not. Sometimes, Sometimes I do, you know, but if I get the kids out to school in the mornings on time, I'm thrilled. That's yeah. a win, you know. Yeah. Um. So, 
I don't know. I just think we need to like be really, really mindful of the language we use and of like, and I think it's about time that we just disassembled these, you know, the baby blues, Mm -hmm. the uh, use different language, be very cautious of the language that we use, you know? Yeah. Okay. Maybe just even take baby blues out of the equation altogether. Ask the new mother, how are you feeling? How are you really feeling? And ask her every day for, you know, X amount of days after, you know, or weeks after the baby's. And if you can see that there's a pattern there that's not shifting and that's unhealthy, you know, it's like you don't need to struggle alone. I have I have heard and seen countless women struggle thinking it's normal because they're too you know, ashamed but to say. for the history of humanity, yeah. Yeah. we've been told and expected to just get on with it. Get on with it. Like, you know, if, if somebody can go and have a baby and go back to work after six weeks, why can't you? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. look, fair play to any woman who come, goes, has a baby, goes back to work after six weeks. But I guarantee you, they're doing that because possibly they've no other choice. Yeah. And you have to look at the bigger picture mm-hmm. here. What's going on in their lives? What's going also, you know, they may be it, it may be something that, you know, an issue that is it, that is within them that they feel that they must do that. Mm-hmm. So just use kindness and be nice to, you know, give shower them with with kindness and love and yeah. and I suppose understanding because no, yeah. you don't know what's going on um, behind closed doors. And this is with anyone, if you're in the public eye yeah. or not. Oh, completely. And we do need to give people a break who are putting themselves out there on a on a bigger platform. It, like like you, I'm being scrutinized, you know. Yeah. But um, I mean, as I was saying earlier or at the start of the yeah. this episode, you do write a lot about your own experience as a parent. Yeah. Um, you wrote beautifully about your um postpartum depression experience yeah. that I'm going to link to in a, an article that will accompany this episode. Everyone read Thank it. You. It's like it's just um so brave and honest. Um, and you're writing this, you wrote it a few years, a good few years after you, you experienced it. And you yeah. obviously still, it's still in you and with you. It is. I don't think you can have an experience like that and for it not to have scarred you in some way. And I don't mean, you know, scarring is possibly a very strong word, but, you know, it, it's something that you, you, it's a darkness that you get through and you know and and just for any mother who's listening to this and is possibly feeling I'm having these dark scary thoughts um you know after having my baby I'm full of fear uh I can't sleep I can't eat please get help please get help um it's not going to go away on its own um you're not going to think yourself out of it uh, there's so many things that you know it's like oh meditation breathing if I get more sleep if I good nutrition unfortunately gets to a point where you need to just get the help of a doctor um, to get you through it could be a medication that's needed whatever it may be but you need help and there's no shame in asking for it and you also realize because there was a time when I was it took me six weeks I think you know for the for the mental anguish and horror to um to fade away um and to the point where one day I actually just woke up and I was put on medication uh, to help and it did help even though I was convinced it wouldn't 
Um, and I did. I just woke up one morning and it was like, it was like the clouds had parted and I could finally see. And I just looked up my baby girl. And I was like, and I was so grateful and thankful. So under, you know, after all this horror, I'm not saying it's worth it to go through horror, to go through that living hell because it's not. Mm. But you do have this gratitude and immense you know love for your baby and for the for life um that you just appreciate everything so much more mm-hmm. so what I'd say to somebody going through that if they're in the midst of it and you can't even you know you're finding it hard to even like wash yourself or you know eat or whatever it may be and you're like this is and it's and it's like this all I can describe it really where I feel my anxiety and is in my gut you know and it's like that's the most you know sympathetic organ in your stomach and everything is you just can't enjoy anything hold on keep going but get help don't battle on with it because you're it's it's not, you're not going to win you need to get your help first mm-hmm. and then battle commence yeah. or you know continue the battle and it will end and you will be happy again and you will be the mother that you dreamed of being mm-hmm. you know wise very wise I mean speaking from experience you are and um good advice well you know I think um god you know I'm uh <laughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't say that I'm a, a you know the most uh what's what's organized mother or anything like a but um I have been through um you know challenges and obstacles and from the physical to the mental and you know it's funny because even though the second you know after Layla my experience possibly was more life immediately life-threatening the mental anguish is something that you can't you find no reprieve Mm -hmm. whereas at least with the physical condition you know okay it's bed rest it's you know you're kind of you're building yourself up slowly and you can get these little pockets of joy you look at your baby and you're smiling and you know you can get that that those little glints of of happiness whereas mental illness is very very different and it's it, it is a horror and it's a horror I wouldn't wish on anyone so you know it's funny but what it does show is that you know childbirth um and pregnancy can and you know will affect you yeah. physically and mentally maybe not to those you know extremes yeah but don't but it get does. it will it yeah. will affect you in some way so we need to just keep on tell um supporting each other yeah t- giving ourselves a break giving yes, other people please. a break yes and um, being kind as you said i know it's yeah, a word and that's patient, bandied about you know patient and and, patient. Yeah. and and really check in with those and maybe as i said different language when it comes yeah. to you know baby blues or uh you know the sort of the the whole kind of you know mum shaming mum guilt like all of this we need to just throw all of that away and maybe start again in ways you know just like look these we are just human beings that's it you know and let's just get on with it and 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 try and make make it easier and share let's be more open Mm -hmm. because the chances are and I know we we're starting to get that like you know oh I've been up all night here's you know I've I've got like I don't know um my 
you know, the new baby girl was covered in poo, the glam life of being a mom. But there's other sides as well that we don't necessarily talk about. And, you know, there's so many other things like, you know, that we could talk about, like, you know, the bodily changes yes. and, uh, that we don't really um, give voice to. And it's like, wait a second, this is reality. This is, yeah. you know, forget about your social media and this is real. You know, your baby is real, your body is real, your mind is real. So it's true. Um, well, thanks, Lisa, for being so open today and being so open and honest in your columns as well. Thank I'm going to link to a few more articles that we've published on Rollercoaster just so everyone else can can read them about the body image. I was going to talk about it, but we ran out of time. Well, you yeah, um, just have to have me back, Miriam. <laughs> I will. Yes, please. absolutely. Yeah. And I have lots more to discuss as well. So, you know, yeah, we will. Brilliant. 100%. Well, thank you so much. Problem. No problem at all. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of A Little Birdie Told Me. If you enjoyed it, we have so many other amazing episodes for you to go back and listen to wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, make sure to like us and hit subscribe. Don't forget to tune in again next time. Is your child restless this winter? If so, then try using a soothing Calpol vapor plug and nightlight, an electrical plug-in device that emits lavender and chamomile vapors to soothe and comfort babies and children, helping to promote clear and easy breathing for up to eight hours. The nightlight emits a soft light to help comfort your child and guide you in the room so that you don't disturb your sleeping child. The Calpol Night Vapor Plug and Nightlight is suitable for children from three months. Calpol Vapor Plug and Nightlight is an electrical device and non-medicine. Always read the label.